Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Halloween Havoc 1996 and Smackdown Havoc 2019, I guess? We're covering it all. You listen to them, now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olsen. That's me. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hello, 83 Weeks fans. Welcome to the show that breaks down all of our favorite wrestling podcasts. We are going to cover the big reveals, the myths, all the Halloween havoc, havoc right here, right now. We are rolling live on YouTube. A couple of you have joined us in the live chat. Oh, a bunch of you have. Hello, Ben, Uncle Juicy TV. I see you all there. And while you're there, why don't you go ahead and hit that big red subscribe button? Because we do this every week. And by we, I mean myself and my panel of experts. He is the producer of this channel and a bunch of your other favorite wrestlers' digital channels. Hi, Steve Kaufman. Hello. Um, there are many comments today. <laughs> I've seen them. There are many comments today, and probably writing some of those was this professional <laughs> wrestler who we also call the Encyclopedia of Sports Entertainment because he remembers everything that happened ever. It's George Hermosa. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, watch it. Oh, all that, right? I mean, listen, it is uh, it is bound to get a little contentious during this conversation. There is much to discuss. We, of course, always break down the latest episode of 83 Weeks and usually get Eric himself to call in and answer all of your questions. Of course, this week he's a little bit preoccupied, <laughs> but we absolutely plan on having him back very, very soon, we assume. Hmm. Now that he is a little bit more available. So, since they touched on it in the episode of the show, we are not necessarily a new show, but since they brought it up on 83 Weeks, well, not necessarily. Uh, they wildly inadvertently brought it up by saying we were planned on recording this show early Monday. Right. And then some stuff happened. Right. Plans change, pal. Yeah. Was the quote. Yeah, and it's pretty obvious that this one was recorded, I think, after Tuesday morning when Eric reportedly learned the news that he would be exiting WWE. That is according to Sports Illustrated. Because Conrad made this comment about everybody's a ratings expert this week or something mm -hmm. of that nature. And reportedly, there was, you know what? We don't, we're not going to talk about SmackDown that much. We all know what we're talking about here. <laughs> Eric's exit from WWE. Uh, we did get an, a couple little tidbits from him during this episode that made me feel like he had recorded this after his exit. Um, him saying, I don't really give an F what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter to me at this stage in my life. Seemed to kind of come out of nowhere towards the end of their conversation. Uh, him, after calling Vince McMahon a genius last week, uh, kind of couldn't wait to point out to us that their WWF's financials were, quote, pretty effing bleak. 
back in this period of time that we are talking about. And uh, a lot of conversations surrounding J.J. Dillon. And Eric made some mention about starting over when you leave the business and what that's like. It just made my uh, assuming mind think mm-hmm. that it's because that's what was on his mind. I, I've been curious about when, like you said, when this uh, episode was recorded. Because normally this episode drops like late, late Sunday night. Uh, so yeah. to get, I mean, there are times where it comes yeah. out. So I'm like, okay, let's see what's on. Maybe I can get a jump start on listening to the episode. But then best of. What's his best of? Like another one? Great. Like what are the, I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love There's lots of the great show. moments. Yeah. But we've already had two yeah, best Yeah, exactly. Ups. I feel like we just had one like a month ago. But then like we saw the tweet that said like, relax. Like obviously we thought business normal. Maybe they just didn't get a chance to record it. We know Eric was really busy. But it's like then you hear the news like yesterday morning like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. We should have known. We should always know. <laughs> but, we should always suspect that something is up. And awesome. it's funny because like you saw the news. I'm like, wait, does this mean we're not getting another 83 weeks episode until this week? We got to wait for <laughs> next week. But, the, was... but it ended up still getting dropped. He could have taken the week off. My <laughs> thought on the timeline is this. Whatever was news to us Tuesday happened on Monday. And delayed him from when he thought he could record the podcast. Mm-hmm. Very early Monday morning, it sounds like. Because he's a very early person. Mm-hmm. So that a 6 a.m. release... Could mean a 4 a.m. podcast to him. Right. Like, he's he's that early of a person. Oh, for sure. So, something happened in that time frame that they didn't record it until very early the following day. Mm-hmm. Tuesday. When I think Eric knew, have, we haven't gotten reporting from Conrad at all about... Sports Illustrated this morning said that he found out on Tuesday morning, but we have no idea how or why yeah, they I, know I that. I think... Well, I mean, when, when, their, their article clearly came from a WWE site. Like, when, okay. when did the episode drop? Like, I think there's no logistic way to, to record it Tuesday morning because they still have to add in some stuff to, for the advertisements and whatnot. I think it got recorded, like, maybe mid-Monday, Monday evening. I think it's... After, I think it's, after his work day. I think it's safe to assume this was recorded... After, after he knew. After he knew. Whether or not it was recorded after the rest of us knew. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it was recorded after everything was finalized, we can't be too sure. Right. And hopefully we get some clarification. Because similar to how Conrad doesn't like to talk about current current WWE stuff, especially with people who work there. Mm-hmm. Similar, to, similar to, like, he's not going to ask Bruce about much of the SmackDown stuff. Mm-hmm. Eric Bischoff moving to Stanford. That was something they brought up multiple times on this show as a... Hey, I man, you're host on a podcast, and you just moved from Wyoming to Stanford. Like that—that's a thi- that's like a thing we're gonna banter about up top, right? So I wonder if losing the job you moved to Stanford for, or not having the job you moved to Stanford for, is also banter for the podcast, mm-hmm. or is he gonna be? wildly silent about it. Yeah. Well, let's not forget that just last week or the week before, he was talking about his WCW exit and described this whole scene where he went completely rogue. He didn't talk to anybody. He, like, got in his plane and, like, went to Timbuktu to go fishing or whatever it was for, like, a week. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't hear anything from him for a while. We're probably not going to hear more about that situation more than the tweet that he saw congratulating Bruce Pritchard. I know he was announced for StarCast next month, so... I, I doubt we'll be seeing any Eric Bischoff shoot interviews anytime soon. That tweet came across to me as an attempt to make everybody aware that he didn't have any heat with Bruce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And to a certain extent, d- deflect any of us who may be angry or upset that Eric doesn't have the gig he had mm-hmm. and that Bruce does, to deflect any of that heat away from Bruce. Yeah. Because Bruce didn't do any, like, Bruce worked at a place and then got a, <laughs> got a promotion, essentially. 
that's not on him. A lot of skeptics. I mean, we don't know what happened. A lot of skeptics will always point to like, oh man, like it must have been Bruce that put him out, you know, things like that. But I'm like that, like you said, to clarify that there really was no heat. I'm sure. From what I hear, there's a lot of rumors out there in the past day or two. From what I hear, Bruce was one of the uh, biggest advocates for Bishop having that job to begin with. Yeah. Well, I have also taken in what the dirt sheets are saying about this and feel that most of it is complete BS. I think they are running with the fact that Eric did admit before taking on the role that he hadn't kept up with the current WWE product. Why the hell would he? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think they are taking that and using it to say their backstage sources that he didn't know any of the superstars. Eric made a huge deal week after week. We had him on this show for weeks before he actually took the role on. And every time we could barely keep his attention here (laughs) because he he was watching mm-hmm. SmackDown at the same time, doing that studying. We know he is a guy who freaking loves research, mm-hmm. and he knows what he's talking about, and he wants to have all the knowledge. Like, that's what I think of when I think of Eric Bischoff, is like the guy who does the research. So these rumors, I guess I'll call them, that he didn't bother to learn who the superstars were has got to be 100% false. There are a lot of them, though. There, there have been dozens. Yeah, there's only a few key players. There, there are for sure a few, a few key players that claim to have some inside knowledge. Um, the Fox panicking one always shocks me because I've been around TV long enough that all, all reports we heard is that Fox was okay with a four million rating on week one. I've never read a report saying otherwise, and if if it's out there, let me know. Then the rating drops to three million the next week. And now all of a sudden, everyone and their mother is saying, oh, my God, Fox executives are having a fit. How dare they this and that? And I'm like, I mean, that's a 25 percent dip from the biggest wrestling show in the history of wrestling shows like this. This is the biggest opportunity wrestling has ever had on national TV. It's on Fox. It's been promoted all summer. Four million is the number. If Fox is upset, they should be upset with the four million number, knowing that it'll dip the following week and that it'll level off around three point two, three point three. Right. Yeah, especially I doubt that that has to be a thing too, because it's only week two. Mm-hmm. Like, really, you're gonna fire somebody because it dipped on week two? Let me know how week twenty two is. Let me know how week twenty thirty two is. It's like, no, week two. Like, I don't, know. I, I didn't buy that either. And like, I don't buy that. It's like, I buy that that being one of the many re- like people at this at this position get changed out for a variety of reasons. Right. I wouldn't be shocked if this was one of the reasons, but at the same time, that's... To say, oh, you need to retain your entire audience from a premiere to the next week is lunacy in television. Right. That never happens. Right. And wouldn't necessarily need to fall entirely on Eric. Uh, Let's check in a little bit with the chat roll. Sammy Owens' show said, I'm highly upset with Dave Meltzer saying Eric is out of touch and didn't understand today's wrestling. WTF. He created the style. He started the cruiserweights. So that's what all the wrestling is in AEW. Jose Herrera said, I feel like everyone in WWE is out of touch with wrestling. Uh, Doesn't have uh, a ton of weight with what we're discussing and especially here. with like out of touch with today's wrestling like what exactly is today's wrestling mm-hmm. like i've been hearing i haven't watched the show yet but i've been hearing amazing reviews about nwa power and that's about as old school as it gets yeah um and and so for that to be out of touch like you have the rock tweeting about it how amazing and new nwa power is like so i'm kind of curious like what exactly is being in touch with today's wrestling like what does that even mean mm-hmm. like that's so like that's such like a journalist thing to say like 
just to get people, you know, to hate you more. Oh, that Eric's. Yeah, I don't like. What does that well, mean? There are there are varied reports also about what Eric's role was backstage. Was it pretty much just to work with Fox and do the TV exec thing? Was he part of creative? Did he had did he have any real power in anything? I mean, there are a lot of reports that he never necessarily got to take the reins fully, mm-hmm. or that he may not have ever been. Because we're hearing a lot that he didn't get involved in creative. Mm-hmm. And there were other reports. And, like, I think Eric himself in a couple different times has mentioned, like... He didn't plan to. I don't necessarily plan... Like, I'm, if you're the executive producer of a TV show, you're not always the head writer. Right. That's that's a different job. Yeah. That's a different job with a different skill to actually write the show. He's the executive producer of the show, which, in this regard, is... He's the liaison between the actual show and Fox. Ray Ray has a very interesting idea. He said, Eric Bischoff didn't get fired. It's all part of a storyline. Eric will return <laughs> as a character to wreak hell on WWE. Listen. Bro. They, they did mention it. I would not be surprised. <laughs> they did mention it on the WWE backstage show yesterday on Fox Sports 1. Um, not to say that they're always going to break uh, storyline stuff as well. But I did, did think it was a little interesting that they did take time out of that show to mention. They didn't mention Eric Bischoff at all. But they just mm-hmm. mentioned Bruce Pritchard as the new executive de- director on SmackDown. They took time on that show. Now we're going to see how this show ends up being. Because I know it's not really debuting for like another month. But Well, that's just a clear attempt to tell the audience that whoever didn't tune in that second week should now turn in the third because it's going to be new and hot again. Mm-hmm. Bro, he should show up on AEW because it's all a work, bro. <laughs> NWA Power, Ring of Honor, Friday Night SmackDown, it's all Vince. Uh, them, them clips on Tony Schiavone's channel, all Vince. It's all Vince. Rajiv said he also doubts that Eric was out of touch or didn't know the characters. We need to remember Eric did run Nitro successfully for years. So true. He said it must be something else. Something sounds super strange about all this, and we will only find out if and when Eric chooses to talk about it. You are absolutely right, and we are hoping to uh, have him right back here Skyping into our show every week. We are very much hoping for such an opportunity. (laughs) Which we do uh, to get him to answer your questions about his episode of 83 Weeks. However, sometimes you know he gets a little loose and uh i get a couple questions in and you know it'll be fun yeah i feel i i do we see him as as cool as i think it would be for him to just be mums the word about it yeah like if the the top of next week's uh scott hall episode it's like anything else happened to you anything else happened to you this week eric no man i'm cool let's talk about scott hall (laughs) i would love if they did that for like five or six weeks and then maybe him with a live microphone at starcast Ah. does something like i wouldn't be shocked if there was a certain level of carney there mm-hmm. but i feel like if that were the case he wouldn't come on the show well <laughs> just done. we shall see we will keep you all posted when we will have eric as a guest again on the show and uh, we also of course got this great episode of 83 weeks about halloween havoc to discuss uh that i Obviously took copious notes on about every single little thing that Eric said in case it would have anything to do with his WWE exit. Um, but lots of other good stuff there. I think probably the the cutest thing we've ever heard on 83 Weeks, which was this story about little Ashley and Montana and how they grew up together and got to reconnect after SmackDown. You guys were there, right? We were absolutely there. Tell us, tell the people. Well, I mean, I, to be fair, I, I didn't really see them to interact, but I did see <laughs> I, I did see Charlotte with as you know his 
It's funny, like he said, like oh, her significant other at the time. I as think as if he's at, just some random yeah. Yahoo that nobody well, knows. Maybe or that's cares what about, it was, like, which I love. And it's funny going back to like what what the rumors are, like oh, he didn't know anybody was. It's just funny that like he didn't say almost, even though it's very. Is Andre on SmackDown? He is on Raw. Now. Okay, well now there he's you go. Raw, then. But he's been on SmackDown. Okay, but it's and just like, funny. You would know who that guy is. Yeah, but it's just funny that's like as, yeah, I so think that's he was ra- just random guy. trying not to out Charlotte and being like she was there with her boyfriend Andrade. Even though she's like the one that like oh my god and like, look at my boyfriend. But like, I do think yeah. I don't think that's a matter of touch. I don't think that's a matter of touch or not touch. So much as in his mind, and they've probably been together. Like I think Seth and Becky were together for a long time before we saw them. Yeah. at the um Hall of Fame ceremony, and it was kind of official. That I think in his mind he couldn't keep track of what was and wasn't a secret. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, uh, Charlotte Flair and her uh, significant <laughs> well, other. More more power to Eric for maybe trying to make sure he keeps people's personal I lives mean, when, private. When we first got there, it was Eric interacting with his daughter mm-hmm. um, and a couple other people. And like to maybe 12 feet to the right, in that corner of the bar was Flair, Charlotte, Andrade, Wendy. Uh, so I'm sure it happened before we got there, but yeah. mm-hmm. it was kind of cool to kind of see just everything in our periphery, just like, oh, cool, it's them, Rick, Flair, and his family, uh, Bischoff and his family. So That's what you saw in yeah. your periphery? In our periphery. You like <laughs> to shorten words. Why can't I do it? <laughs> yes, I, you're being very Christy Reports okay. right now I with mean, your he's, eyewitness account in he's your periphery. He's not there now, so we can out it. Bruce Pritchard was about three feet to Eric's left. <laughs> They were all at the same bar. What does bar. it mean? They all wanted. They all wanted beef burgers. Everybody was thirsty. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, of course, Halloween Havoc is one of Eric's favorite pay per views from his time at WCW. How does it rank to you guys? I always was one of my favorite pay per views, just because, especially in the early '90s, it was very creative. We had the classic spin the wheel, make the deal. Uh, cool little, you yeah. know, when it was a Cactus Jack against Sting or against Jake Roberts. Um, but so I always liked it. And it was just always, and I, I liked WCW at the time because their entrance was very theme-ish. Bash at the Beach, the entrance looked like a looked like a beach. Yeah, so, you know, the Halloween Havoc. It had the gravestones and you know everything, the graveyard. It just looked cool. So I always like these pay per views because it just looked cool. It looked like a pay per view. Yeah, WWF didn't come back until a long time after that, and even then. Like, their theming, WWF's theming was always abstract, like Armageddon. Well, I mean, this like, was back then. This is after that, but you had a house for the well, house. <laughs> well, you're right. They, but they were like, we're gonna, it's going to be in your house. And you know part of the reason is that they like to penny pinch a little. That it's like, it's, it'll be in your house. So let's build one house set. Even though, they, even though they gave away a house on the first in your house, we we're like, oh, they're going to give a house away on every show. No, like, no, no, just that one time. No, one but time. Halloween Havoc was always one of my friends. I always feel like a lot of things culminated there, and that was going to lead up to Starcade too, because Starcade was only two months afterwards. So it was a good build. This was like the Royal Rumble to the Starcade. Eric talks about how he took some money away in the years before this, away from the house shows, to kind of build up these huge productions mm-hmm. like Halloween Havoc. Do you guys remember in 1996, was there excitement to go see WCW live? Like, was that something that you had on your Christmas list? Was, you know, tickets to the next house show? Or was it really just about TVs and buying those pay-per-views? Um, I do think... For sure, by 96, 97, he had refocused on a TV product. Yeah. But the idea of seeing seeing WCW house show did not appeal to me at that time. But I was also an anti-house show kid. I was I was very staunchly like, is it TV? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
If it's not TV, I'm not going. It's it's easier for like you to answer that because I'm sure like the house shows were a little bit more on the East Coast. But out here, WCW almost never came to, to the LA. Right. Like I remember they were in LA or they were in Huntington Beach for Bash at the Beach, and it was actually at the beach on July 16 mm-hmm. and 95, and I didn't go for whatever reason. But I remember them not coming back to LA, and I could be wrong about this. They didn't come back to LA until June 28th of 97. But by that time. I went to that WCW house show because I was excited. So had they would have been in 96, maybe I would have gone because the NWO was so hot. But I remember being super excited for that 97 house show that happened you wanna, for WCW. Do you want some inside baseball? Uh, the Staples Center wasn't bu- wasn't built until 1998. Do you want to know the only other 90. LA? The- we'll open in 99. Oh, construction started in 98. You're right. It didn't open until 99. He was there, I'm do guessing. You, no, no. Um, <laughs> do you know... The Forum is the only other major venue in Los Angeles. Yeah, that's, where, wanna, that's you, where I saw WCW. Do you want to know forum. who owns The Forum? Well, now it's the MSG Group. Did the MSG Group not own The Forum in the 90s? No, it was the Great Western Forum. Then never mind, the I'm out. Um, but even back then, like, they, but WWF would always stuff. come. WWF would always use the sports arena or the Arrowhead Pond. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, like, WW or WCW never used the any LA venues, even maybe even. I know they used the form a couple times mm-hmm. in the early 90s, but yeah, between 95 and 97, like, they never came out here. The, the closest that they came out here was Vegas. But I do think that's something we said that the Staples Center is a state of the art kind of arena as we understand them now. And I think the forum is very much the forum. That it's a tried and true, it's already been here. Right. It was a church once. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was? Yeah. The Forum? How, the Forum was I know the ch- Olympic Auditorium is the church now. All right. How about the idea of hitting up the movie theater to see Sting in Liar Liar? I don't remember Sting in this. I, 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 liar, I don't liar either, many, many but times. to be honest, I don't think I've ever, that's way before my time. I don't think I've ever seen Liar Liar. Liar Liar is a funny movie, and I do not remember Sting at all. You don't remember? I Not by face, no. It had to be like a deleted scene. Do you think his scene got cut? There has to be. Because if you've never seen it, had you heard that before? No, I've never even knew that. We're, we're pulling this up. Okay. I'm doing this. If like, the encyclopedia didn't know it, well, I'm excited wrestling. Not wrong, I'm an encyclopedia right? of wrestling, not movies. Well, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, like I was very like, I, that's something I would have noticed had Sting would have been in Liar Liar. Like, I just didn't know. Like, I remember there was a movie called Life with Mikey. Yeah. That, like, Jeff Jarrett and Jerry Lawler are in. But, like, I would have known if he was in Liar Liar. Like, it had to be a deleted scene. Hello and welcome to the party, David Byrne. Did you see Staying in Liar Liar? Please chime in. (laughs) If anybody has, like, a scene or, like, a clip or a picture from it, like, I do not recall this at all. Well, even just the idea that Sting was sort of pursuing an acting career back then. Was that something that was privy to the fans? That fans were privy to? Not to me. Not if we didn't see him in Liar Liar. Like, that would have been the movie we all would have seen him in. And he just doesn't seem, I don't want to say he doesn't seem like the type, but we've seen the guys who go and do movies. The wrestlers that go and do movies are usually these huge personalities. They're kind of more of the cartoonish characters. I was really surprised to hear that acting was something that Sting was really seriously pursuing. Yeah. I remember when I saw, this is totally off topic, I remember when I saw the Heartbreak Thanks Kid. Thanks for the warning. Heartbreak Kid. I was like, Shawn Michaels has to be a cameo in this movie, right? Like, <laughs> not once. So I don't know, but that's the thing. But going back to Sting, it's like I would have known had Sting been in the movie because I would have looked for him. Right. You know, like I no point did I expect Shawn Michaels to be in the movie, but I or did I hear about that, but I was like, he's gotta make a cameo at some point, right? But no, like I do not remember Sting at all. Oh, David's got us covered. He said, I'm pretty sure Jim Carrey mentioned Sting and Savage in a cage match, but there's no scene. He he name dropped like I remember him saying like Ravishing Rick Root at some point. Maybe they did shoot something that, as you said, got cut, or maybe Sting did have to actually shoot like a fake wrestling sheet scene that is airing on the TV behind. Jim or something maybe that we didn't see. Maybe he got his movies mixed up. I don't think so. 
I, I believe, I think David's probably on the Because right I think Conrad here. is one that kind of brought it up, too. And you know, Conrad does his research. <laughs> Rajiv said Joker Sting could have played Jim Carrey's The Mask role easily. Oh, God. That would have... <laughs> would have, would have loved I was not a fan see... of Joker Sting. Oh, okay. They're... But the true victim... Ryan in the booth. Is this going to get cut? Is my client. That's not Sting. Yep. <laughs> is this a deleted scene? But if, when you search for Sting, I was looking for it. Oh. Yeah. I'm kind of curious now. Yeah, we're going to keep our eyes peeled on this. That's Sting. It's the court scene from Liar Liar. And this uh, Ryan, our wonderful producer in the booth, is saying, is labeled on YouTube as a deleted scene that features Sting. And so. even so, like, even so, like, if this was Sting's, like, one of his film debuts or one of the early movies, like, what kind of an agent do you have where... You're, I mean, I, I doubt he has a line in this scene, but like, what kind of agent are you gonna have? Where no, 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 no. like that where, would be that would be the publicist, not well, the agent. Oh, the public, where, where it's like, but that's somebody though, right? Isn't that some wrestler? Well, if well, assuming I'm assuming he's building up to right this no. guy being innocent. So and then Sting maybe did it. So at the end, maybe I watch a lot of stuff. Like I know how to scrub. Where I'm like. All right, well, we are going to get to the bottom of this and keep that rolling. Because uh, there was something else, actually, on this episode that I hadn't ever heard either. And that was that Ric Flair had a facelift. Yeah, that was weird. Is that common knowledge, gentlemen? I mean, you kind of look how he looked back then compared to the 80s. Like, he didn't really look too different. I'm still watching the scene of Lila. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think Jerry Lawler did as well. Not not too, like, in the, in the mid-2000s. I could buy that. It didn't surprise me. Right, but the idea that is kind of, Eric sort of put that out there, that that was kind of the beginning of Rick's health troubles and really not being able to get over surgeries. He had a torn rotator cuff or something as well at the time, and that this facelift really kind of put him back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have, yeah. I, that doesn't shock me at all that mm-hmm. Rick, especially in 96, was just very much. I'm just surprised that you guys didn't know that. I was wondering if it was like a thing. You know, because something like that is something that, you know, probably another wrestler is going to bring up in a promo or, you know, I think, something that gets around in the in the wrestling world. Honestly, I think that's more of a low key, a low key don't talk about it thing mm. that like the locker room knows. But they're like, no, seriously, Rick, Rick, Rick's super sensitive about that. Don't. <laughs> I wouldn't bring that up in a promo. <laughs> you'd probably get a real bad receipt if you if you brought up Rick's facelift in a promo. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's jump into the actual pay-per-view show, Roadblock. We got this great story about Roadblock that he got his start in the biz, like 10 years or something before the dark match that he had here on Halloween Havoc, that he got into the business by actually jumping into the ring during a match and just kicking some ass. I don't remember. I never heard that at all. This is the first I think most of us have heard this story. I don't doubt it happened, but like I, I never remember it. If you look at who how Roadblock looked, he was ugly. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he couldn't kick some ass. That's true. Also, it, um, whatchamacallit, because WWE, WWE ran a pay-per-view called Roadblock, it becomes impossible to find any cited source just through bluntly Googling. Why don't you look up WCW? WCW Roadblock. Well, either way, he didn't end up doing a whole lot in the business, did he? No, 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 nothing at all. Like, nothing. Maybe like a match here and there. I mean, he he showed up on Nitro a few times, but, like, nothing. uh, Would you call him or Jim Powers a a bigger player in the wrestling world? Oh, Jim Powers is a bigger player, because at least he teamed with Paul Roma. 
to be a, as a young stallion. Well, also yeah. Jim Powers had that incredible match that Eric heralded in this episode. <laughs> it was one of the one of the greatest he'd ever seen. Young stallions <laughs> was a good team. That was back when tag team wrestling mattered. All right, we're being a little a little sarcastic, but this Rey Mysterio Dean Malenko match that we have on Halloween Havoc is kind of a classic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so. And this is back then where. Like, they fought on Nitro, on Kasha the Champions, on, on this show. Like, they were all just fantastic. Like, it's, it's, it's one of those where you look at the time where you think, like, oh, man, like, end up, like WCW is awesome, but I don't know why. But then you look back, like, oh, it was awesome because of these kind of matches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Time code-wise, it's a bit on the heavy side, but I would certainly like to cover it for Match Monday. Like, it's it's definitely in the zeitgeist for me where I'm like, I mean, 21, it's a bit much. I only get that room for an hour, but I for sure want to. That's what we call a plug, people. Steve Coffin wants you to know he has a show called Match Mondays, which well, you can get at, I believe, matchmondays.com. Uh, watch my episode. Matchmonday.com. <laughs> I, I didn't buy the S. Somebody had Match Mondays. It was all Serious? I, I actually don't know. Okay. I didn't care. <laughs> Match Monday. You're right, Match Mondays, because it's a series of Mondays, but it, I own matchmonday.com. Well, I'm sure you've been taking in a ton of diamond cutters over there on the uh, Match Monday show. And Eric and Conrad sort of talked about how this match between DDP and Eddie Guerrero, this is when the diamond cutter was really getting hot. However, it didn't seem to go great for Eddie Guerrero. When you guys watched this back, what did you see? I mean, I saw DDP, a guy like DDP, not really coming into his own just yet. Uh, still needed a little bit of polishing, but he was almost there. But, I mean, I, I knew that in hindsight, it, it's kind of cool to see kind of, pre, you know, pre-boom. Like, oh, these guys are going to be like big stars in a, in a little bit. What about the actual diamond cutter moment? What did you think happened yeah, there? I didn't see anything different, anything out of the ordinary. To you you didn't catch anything? No. Interesting. I gave one today. <laughs> yeah. You did not. I did. Didn't tell a girl, actually. I'm plugging. He's humble bragging. <laughs> I really like, did. I really did. Everybody. Wow. <laughs> well, so speaking from experience, what kind of things could go wrong during a diamond cutter? Uh, like, what do you think may have happened with it? If somebody just does, I maybe mean, lands, maybe head heavy. Yeah. Maybe something like that. But you usually try to just flat, try, try to fall as flat as you can. Also, the uh, giver of the diamond cutter could in an attempt to not go head heavy, fly too far, and then their ankles could hit the rope. Like, their ankles could come down on the ropes. Yeah. That would hurt, right? I mean, I'm asking. I'm assuming. <laughs> them, them, ropes, them ropes are no joke. I wouldn't, wa- I wouldn't want to come down on top of them in any way. Well, somebody who was unfortunately coming to the end of his career at this time, and maybe even during his match on Halloween Havoc, is Art Anderson, uh, who we saw go toe-to-toe with Lex Luger on this one. But there, this came along, this conversation came along with a big plug for the Arn Show mm-hmm. on 83 Weeks, and even the episode began with kind of a clip of it, too. Uh, since they want us to talk about it, have you guys listened to the Arn Show? I have not. You haven't. But there's a good reason why, but I'm not going to bore everybody with that. Okay. Okay. Is it because it's not on iTunes yet? No, it is, on, it is it is it on iTunes. Or it, it is now, but like week one and uh, two. It, but it, I just think that's interesting. They're making a, a huge issue. deal out of it. We are the prime audience for it and that you haven't taken it in yet. I would. It, again, this is more, it's more of a technical issue, but I, I'd love to listen to it. Okay. Well, we're a bit on the young end of the prime audience. I can tell you now. Okay. <laughs> I, as, as a person who runs that YouTube page, by the way, it's monetized. We do two clips a day. You should get it. It's my second plug of the night. Uh, the Arn Show. I'm the Arn Show in the chat right now. That's just who I was logged in, logged in as when when the Wi-Fi I started it was working. Arn the whole time. Well, you gotta let other people believe that too. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'll log in as Ric Flair and say "woo" later. Um, I've heard everything up until this most recent episode, which I'm gonna clip out tonight. Uh, 
the my spot episode was gripping. Really? Because before this match, before this match, he had neck surgery. Yeah. And his neck is so meaty that they had that the the uh, surgeon didn't quite understand until he went under that. Oh, I have to cut you. I have to cut you hard. That apparent, according to Arn, he woke up from surgery and the surgeon came in and said, "Buddy, I'm sorry. I hurt you. I hurt Jesus like Christ. I hurt you bad. Any pain kills on this floor, they're yours. Just let a nurse know." Oh God. And he had an awful uh, rehab that consisted of him calling his money guy and saying, "I'd like you to settle up all my affairs and then go get my gun." Oh jeez. Y- y'all should listen to the yarn show. It's some grip. That episode in particular is some gripping stuff, coupled with the fact that once he actually overcame that surgery, he had this match, and then the next, I want to say that morning or sometime around there, he wound up at, at the gym. And That's then, where the gym thing happened yes. that we heard about. That's where the gym thing happened because this was his final match. Right. This was the match. This was the last match he worked because I think the gym thing happened just after this, mm-hmm. and he realized I can't work, I can't do this, and then he did the my spot promo, which we've covered here on eighty three weeks. And they've also they also covered on episode three of the Arn Show. Jay Kane's in the chat said it's a good show. Arn needs to relax a bit though. Maybe have some beers <laughs> first. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if he has had some beers first. Like I, I think he's settled. But if you listen to episode one and then you listen, then you listen to episode four, you can see he's already exponentially settling in to the kind of comfort to the kind of comfort you expect from all of other Conrad all of Conrad's other shows. Yeah. Although at the same time I kind of like how serious this one is. Whereas everybody else gets kind of jokey and fun and this and that, whereas the Arn show is like, well no, that's that's, that's what happened. <laughs> like the, I think the I think Conrad can bring the funny more effectively yeah. and then the Arn can just be super serious. I love that. Well, we will definitely be taking a listen as soon as we can. But I also want to take talk a little bit about the first tag match, not the title tag match, but uh, the one where Kevin Sullivan goes into business for himself, as they say, and there's maybe some personal stuff going on here. Would one of you like to uh, take the reins and remind everybody what was going down? What did we see on camera? Like, what was his personal stuff that was spilling over? Was Give us with, the juice. probably with Benoit, right? I think so, right? Well, it had to be with Benoit. So, I mean, that was the whole thing where... Like Kevin Sullivan booked his wife uh, to to be in Benoit's corner, and they started having an affair, and then obviously there's some little bit, uh, you know, spilled into the into the TV show. Interest, very, very. You don't book don't book your wife with another guy on TV, especially a guy because. And I think if you were to ask Kevin Sullivan, you'd be like, "Well, I think the world, I thought the world of Chris Benoit." Yeah. So I, I like if I was going to pair my wife with anyone, I should pair my wife with like the guy I think the world. I'm like, no, <laughs> make it a scrub that you think the least of, because then because if you think of the world of her and she's your wife, she'll think the world of him, and then she'll she'll <laughs> she'll stop being your wife. I just love when it gets that real. Um, actually, I guess maybe that all got way too real. Well, Never mind. I, I mean, back. just, just stop, cancel me, guys. stop the timeline in 96. Yes. Is where, like, where oh, my God. Where was just Juicy and Vaughn on screen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right, moving on really quickly to Hulk Hogan <laughs> and Randy Savage. This was finally the right time, according to Eric, for these two to step into the ring together. There was this really fun moment with the wig where Hulk Hogan gets um, unusually sort of self-depreciating was the word that that Eric used. But, like, that's not a side of Hulk we see very often willing to put himself out there like that. That probably just 
tells us how comfortable he felt with Randy, right? I think that's also uh, how fun he was having as a heel. Oh. This was like the second or third month that he was a heel after being a, a hardcore babyface for like the previous 20. So like it's just something where it's like, oh, he can embrace it. He can do a lot more things now as a heel that he wasn't able to do as a babyface. Um, there's been a bit of talk today about Hulk Hogan as a heel. Yeah. And I do think he he is his WCW heel run is something he would have only been allowed to do in WCW. Mm-hmm. And now that he's here, he I would argue he's one of the better heels in wrestling or in the history of wrestling. Like Hollywood Hogan was a very, very good heel. And I think it's because he was one of wrestling's better minds. Mm-hmm. And I think his entire run in WWF, he probably had an idea of like how to get heat. Oh, well, if only you just did that. And then for himself, he'd be like, yeah, but I'm just going to come out there and do the, <laughs> do the, do the pose down the stuff, do the pose down that. Cause that's what I do. That's what I do. And you know, it got, it got old like year two, but yeah, <laughs> here we are. Well, we got a big surprise at the end of course, but as people who were watching at the time and really taking it all in, was this Macho Man Randy Savage versus Hulk Hogan match, what you had waited to see? Were you satisfied by it? I was satisfied by it. Anybody who thinks otherwise has just too many, maybe too much high expectations for this match. Like, it, it's seven years after their amazing match at WrestleMania Five. Right. Like, yeah, it, different characters. Their characters have evolved. Like, what different more company? do you expect? Yeah. yeah. Also, I, I enjoy that this match was storytelling first. That it wasn't just, oh, we're going to throw them in there. Like, no, no, they're, they have beef. <laughs> they, have, they have huge beef. I, you know who the bad guy is. You know who the good guy is. Yeah. Everything works. Well, something that's definitely changed since 1996 is the ability to keep stuff quiet. So the fact that Roddy, Roddy oh my God, Roddy. I can never say it. Rowdy Roddy Piper pops up. Oh, see, I did it to myself there with that one. The fact that Rowdy Roddy Piper pops up <laughs> at the end of this pay-per-view. Oh my God, you guys, that was good. Uh, I mean, is pretty was shocking to the crowd. And how Eric just kind of nonchalantly, Conrad pressed him on it. But he was like, no, it wasn't hard to keep it quiet. Like, he knew, I knew, some other guys knew, and it wasn't a big deal. Nowadays, they have to go through so much to make sure people aren't seen, even traveling or seen at the airport in their town that day or whatever it is. It's like, can you imagine this this magical time way back in the day where there could be surprises? I miss that. I'm just trying to think logistically how you could pull off a huge surprise. It's possible. They did it with Shane McMahon like three years ago where it's like literally his like music came out of nowhere. I'm like, oh my God, like I haven't <laughs> seen him on WWBT in like seven years. But like I think it's that, possible. But I think part of that is it's he had turned up backstage He's before. He's the owner's son. I mean, that's a lot easier to explain away or keep under wraps. Come on. That wasn't like, a good example. The, in, the th- sorry. in the three years that he was doing other business, he had turned up backstage before that it's not that he was he was hiding in plain sight. Yeah, because people had seen him backstage before, so anyone who saw him wouldn't report it. Right, it'd just be whatever. I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think logistically. Like, let's say you were doing a show at the MGM Grand. Let's say you were the WWF and you were doing okay the T-Mobile Arena. If you're the WWF, you're in Las Vegas, and you want to somehow re-debut Chris Jericho without anyone knowing. How do you do that? You have to load him in a car. You have to fly him into Burbank, which is a smaller airport. You have to load him in a car from Burbank. You have to drive straight to Las Vegas, and then I hide with him in a no hotel. one seeing him at yeah, the like, airport at a, or taking pictures. Yeah, or, like, I don't yeah, know. Geez. I mean, a private jet, a you PJ. Pri- you private? Yep, that's what you do. You hop on the PJ. You private jet him, but even then, from the from Las Vegas airport to the T-Mobile Arena, like that's mm-hmm. 
a 10 minute cab ride where somebody could see him. Right. It's almost impossible these days. I would agree it is impossible. Roddy also got this first look deal with Turner as part of his coming to WCW in the contract. But we never saw, there was never a um, Tropical Thunder. Wait, what was Hogan's show? Tropic, no, not Tropic Thunder. Uh, Thunder in Thunder in Paradise. Yes, we never saw you know Tropic Thunder in uh, Portland or whatever it would be <laughs> for Rowdy Roddy Piper. I know stuff. I think what the idea was they wanted to do a bounty hunter show with him. Ooh, that was the that was the idea that I kind of like. It would definitely predate a dog. scripted show. Or a scripted show. Oh, okay, a scripted show where Roddy Piper was a bounty hunter was. Okay. According to the dirt sheet, something that was pitched around more than once. I would have watched that. I would have totally watched that too. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't know why Turner didn't do that. But you know, you know, TV exec. Yeah, you know, they want to talk about talking about it, right? And that's what Eric said. Is no, there was no provision in his contract. We said that we might talk about possibly talking about it. Like that quote's almost verbatim, yeah. and that's the most Hollywood thing. Like, yeah, no, no, you're going to sign a contract that says if we feel we want to. We can decide to want to maybe talk to you about possibly yeah, I mean, it's very developing a TV show. It's very Hollywoody. I want to thank everybody in the chat for hanging out with us. If you all have anything about this episode that you would like to add, please do so right now, gentlemen. Any final thoughts? I think this is just a good time to be a wrestling fan. It is now today too, where just back then it was just you know there's Raw, the Nitro, and even it's a little bit different now. So a lot of the younger audience maybe may not know about this, but like now because there's so many, the way to view you know special event wrestling where it's like the network and pay per view on AEW. Like no back then like the the pay per views were like you try to make them because most people couldn't afford more than one pay per view a month. So mm-hmm. this was like, all right, I'm gonna put all our all our all our stack on one pay per view, and this was a fun time where it's like the pay per views actually mattered. Where you can even see WWF at this time like try to do new things with the Barry the Live match, what they did like a week before. But you know, WWF was just so hot at this time that they can do no wrong. This was just a fun time, like ninety six, ninety seven. I echo Conrad's statement that this was just one of the best times to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, it was certainly a great time if you were a kid who, whose parents bought you both pay-per-views. <laughs> or you had a friend who had the hot box. Y'all know, y'all know the hot box. Don't act we, like you don't know the we hot call, box. We called it the black box. Wait, really? Yeah. Is that There's a regional difference to what they called hack cable? That's um, interesting. Somebody's, somebody's got to do the math on this. Hybrid I-78 in the chat said McMahon fired Bischoff after 83 days. That cannot true. be true. Um, I wish it was. If that is true, um, Hybrid, please do the math on that. If that is true, then this is absolutely a storyline. Bringing it full circle to what we spoke about at the beginning of the episode, then it's absolutely a storyline. Man, it is so much fun. We could sit here all night and chat with all of you guys. Smoke Dog, David, Maurice, Jay, Robert, everybody, Max, everybody coming to hang out with us. Please, if you are catching us at a little bit later date, we are on Apple Podcasts, but live on YouTube on Wednesday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific. So please come and join the live chat. And guys, if they want to keep up with you during the week, where can they do that at? Uh, You guys can find me on Twitter almost exclusively. I'm at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F. M-A-N-N, I'm involved in more things than I can list here, and that includes Match Monday. You can go to matchmonday.com and watch some wrestling with me and a guest. You can follow me at G Hermosa, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm here a couple times a week doing Monday Night Raw in Spanish, doing this show, doing the pay-per-view, so keep in tune for that. Just, uh, you know, let us know how we're doing. 
Yeah, this is an AfterBuzz TV Wrestling and Sports production, and make sure you head over there and check them out as well. You guys can always hit me up at Christy Reports. I would appreciate it if you do. On that note, we are covering next week. Scott Hall. Scott Hall. Uh, submit your questions at 83 Weeks, yep. and come back here and break it all down with us. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.